Whoever likes and shares this podcast will receive a free high five. Good afternoon, good evening. Welcome back to the End Podcast. I'm your host, Nisan Naidu, and welcome to the second half of the NBA The End Podcast. That's what I'm calling it. I don't know why, I just thought of it now. Um, before we get started, uh, just remember to like this podcast, share this podcast, follow me on Twitter at Niesmeister. That's follow me on Twitter at Niesmeister. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. So the All-Star Game is over. Uh, I'm recording this on Thursday. Um, Thursday the 23rd of February in New Zealand. The All-Star Game was on Monday. Uh, Man, it was such a dead All-Star Game. It really was. I really thought it was going to be fun. The draft was cool, you know, like selecting them like there and then, like, you know, how we did at the playground or at school or anything. That was dope. The game itself was kind of boring. Giannis did the one dunk and then gapped. And then LeBron kind of got, you know, LeBron had a few highlights. There were some cool dunks, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm not asking them to play, like, game seven level defense, but at least put in a shift or something, you know, don't have everyone just standing around just launching threes. At least last year was fun because uh, there was some yeah, there, was, there was some competitive spirit, at least. This one, there wasn't really anything. I'm not going to go off and complain about it because, you know, it is what it is. You know, we can't uh, we can't really complain about something that the players probably don't even care about. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so now we're in the second half of the uh, of the season. We have 23 games left of the regular season before we head into the much-anticipated postseason, which I think this year is going to be phenomenal with um, the West so wide open, the East and, you know, the emergence of players and, you know, the, the, the elite battle going on there, you know, the, the, the top-heavy East. So, it's, I mean, speaking of the East now, like um, Giannis's wrist injury... We don't know how long he's going to be out for, and the Bucks have just kind of found their rhythm. They've won 12 straight or 11 straight games going into the break, and now they're going to come out with their best player injured. Excuse me. And Middleton is, you know, he's finding his rhythm. He's not exactly Chris Middleton, you know, Money Middleton, as some would call him. But, yeah, he's kind of finding his rhythm. Drew's phenomenal. Brooke Lopez is probably defensive player of the year. You know, by any injury, depending on how he goes. But, yeah, it's going to be fun to see how it goes, considering the East is, uh, how top-heavy the East is. Boston doesn't, you know, Boston's probably going to hold on to the number one seed and most likely be number one seed overall uh, this year. Philadelphia is common. Uh, my, you know, you can never really count out the Miami Heat. The Knicks, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's any other team I'm missing. Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia... Oh, Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland is Cleveland is coming. Cleveland is coming. Donovan Mitchell and Jarrett Scotland, they're finding the rhythm. That, that team is gelling well. That team is... I think that team is... Uh, they're a wild card to uh, get to the conference finals, at least. I don't think they can get to the finals. That would be a surprise. But yeah, very interested to see. I think Giannis right now is the MVP. Um, this Depending on how long this injury keeps him out will determine on... Whether I have him at MVP at the end of the season, considering Joel Embiid and uh, the Joker are playing such good basketball, and Tatum is he's up and down. He's probably like a number four, but you know, depending on what happens with Giannis, we'll we'll see. So yeah, I'm very interested to see how the Bucks can hold on. I don't think they should really worry about making a push for number one seed. 
you know, just stay afloat, stay within the top three, I reckon, you know, get that home court advantage for the first two rounds and see what happens, you know, uh, come postseason. Just, just you, they need to get there with a decent enough seating with home court. And then, you know, when Giannis comes back, I, uh, you know, the risk will take care of itself. I still think the Bucks are going to win the NBA championship. I want the Lakers too, but I'll talk about them later. But I think the Bucks, uh, they are my favorite to win the championship this year. So yeah, that's it's that's gonna be fun there. Now, um, I want to just address this real quick because I didn't even know this happened. Like I think I might have just read it on the NBA app and then forgot about it. But Nate McMillan got fired. Cool. I mean, yeah, I like Mc, like Mc, Nate McMillan as a coach. I don't think he should have got fired because I think the problem is Trey Young and how he, for some reason, just when he has the ball. He isn't as good as he once was because of the 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 rules. The rule changed to flop, and uh, to, to you know go against flopping and all that stuff. So he just takes a lot of bad threes, f- tries to flop, doesn't work, gets a lot of no calls, deservedly so. And when he doesn't have the ball, he just stands around doing nothing, and it becomes a four v four, four v five because you can kind of just play off him, and he's just a liability on defense. Um, I just did a little bit of a scouring on the internet and on Twitter just to see, you know, what people were saying about McMillan and his relationship with, uh, you know, his players and the organization. A lot of people saying that he was uh, trying to hold the uh, ESPN report that he tried to hold the locker room accountable, you know, try to get them to take some responsibility so they can get ahead of, you know, get have some togetherness. You hold each other accountable. You can improve as a team. And the team wasn't having it, especially Trey Young. He was not having it. And he kind of lost the locker room through that, which I think is disheartening if you're a Hawks fan. That's not what you want to hear, that your coach lost the locker room because he was actually trying to do something good and the players weren't accepting. It kind of shows me that this team is kind of soft. You know, Trey Young, yeah, he's he's underappreciated as a superstar, but he is a franchise superstar but for some reason now he's not turning to a franchise person if that makes sense this guy the reports of uh him you know refusing to participate in practice because for some reason or the other and then Nate McMillan just saying you know what fine you don't want to come to practice I'm benching you and then you know he's alienating his teammates you know at the start of the season that reports that he's you know being a douchebag in the locker room and uh who said this I want to say it was Roger Bell from the ringer um, real ones, he said, uh, just because you are a villain on the court to your opponents doesn't mean you have to be a villain in the locker room to your teammates and to your coaching staff, which is well said, very well said. So they'll have an interim coach. I think, uh, I don't know if there's any coaches out there on the market. Nash doesn't want to coach anymore because, one, the guy needs experience, and he had the worst coaching debut in terms of a toxic locker room and organization. Uh, Quinn Snyder wouldn't be a he wouldn't be a bad um coach. The only problem is, as I said before, you need to get through to Trey Young to give the ball up. You know, Quinn Snyder. Uh, you say what you want about him in Utah and his lack of adjustments defensively, but that dude he knew how to swing the ball. That ball moved around a lot, and they played good basketball in the regular season. Now he has his postseason failures and um woes to say the least but yeah i think they should definitely they should look into it before you know a team fires him 
uh, a team fires their coach at the end of the season and then go after him, and now you're left with no one. But yeah, I'm surprised they made this move already. So, you know, I guess they really didn't see a future with a near future with Nate McMillan where they could even make a push to get into the top six. So they shipped him off already. That's um, surprising to me. But yeah, um, I don't watch the Hawks. The only player I really like on the Hawks is DeJounte Murray. John Collins has been on trade rumors since he got the bag. You know, he didn't want to be there because he's unhappy with whatever. But And then he just plays with a like, complete lack of energy. The few games I watched, this dude looks like he just doesn't want to be there. And, I mean, it doesn't help when every time the Hawks are mentioned in a trade, the name that comes up first is John Collins. But, yeah, good luck to whoever is coaching that team. Hopefully, you can manage Trey and his ego, I guess. And there's not, there's not a knock on Trey Young. I'm not a fan of how he carries himself outside, just from what I hear about reports and, and articles and all that stuff. But I do like him on the court. I do like the villain aspect he uh, brings and that, that cockiness, that confidence he, he ca- carries it's great. It's really great to watch. Moving on to the West, I didn't do a podcast on this because I don't actually know why. I think I might have just forgot. Or maybe I didn't because I was busy. But um, I'm not going to talk about the whole, the actual trade for KD itself. I just want to talk about the Suns. The Suns have the most pressure right now to win a championship. A lot of people want to say the Philadelphia 76ers because Joel Embiid hasn't done it yet and he's been complaining about not winning MVP and his the guy hasn't got to a conference finals in his career. But if he gets to the finals, we'd say, okay, this is a good year for the Sixers because Joel Embiid has finally gotten one of those those monkeys off his shoulder. You know, he's gotten one of his off his back or whatever the however the metaphor goes. But the Suns now have the most pressure to win a championship. Because KD has shown himself that, has shown to us that he cannot win unless he has extreme talent around him. Or uh, he can't win uh, unless he is not the leader and he is just a gunner. He had leadership. He had great leadership in Oklahoma, but he, you know, whatever happened in there with Russ happened. No one really knows. You know, some say. He wasn't a fan of Russ with the ball, or he just he felt that he just couldn't do it. You know, he people looked at him to be a leader, but Russ was the leader of that team. Say what you want. He got to Golden State, an already established organization of success and excellence. 73 games, that's uh, the, the year beforehand, and the year before that, they win a championship. So he went to an already great situation. They just plugged him in as a gunner, as a straight shooter, and he they won back-to-back, and everyone looks at it and says, yeah, we don't care. You have those two championships, but we don't really care. Unless you're a Golden State fan, probably, or a Kevin Durant stan, or a LeBron James hater, Skip Bayless. So, yeah. um, KD needs to win. He, he really does. And the thing is, though, even if he does win, a lot of people, probably myself included, will invalidate the ring. The only person who benefits, who doesn't benefit from this move with if they win a championship is Kevin Durant he'll finally he'll get one away from Steph but everyone will look at it and say yeah but the Suns were already established they were a final team last year they won 60 games the next year like what's you know what's going on you can't win unless you go to a team that is already 
good that has a culture already it is a i don't want to say a stain but it is something we will turn our heads at you know we'll tilt our heads like a dog and be like okay what the hell is this so yeah i don't know what you know it is what i don't know what really else to say i know the owner said oh i want to I didn't pull this move off to win now. I pull this move off so I can win in the future as well. Bro, KD's 33 and is very injury prone. Devin Booker has hit his prime. Yeah, that's great. But by the time he reaches 28 or by the time he reaches 30, KD will probably be retired. And so will CP3, who is old as heck. He's going to be 38 in May. So he's not, you know, he's aging and it shows in the playoffs that he can't sustain all the pressure that comes with being an elite point guard, being a primary point guard and having to set the offense. And DeAndre Ayton, he will not get touches. I think he might just average a lot of re- he will have a lot of rebounds, but his points and his touches might not happen anymore. Maybe CP3 will have to just look at like six single digit points for the, from here on to get Booker, KD and Ayton their touches. But the scoring is definitely going to go down individually if all goes well, you know. it You can't, you know, you have KD, Booker, who are two mid-range masters, you know. KD is probably the best player in the world. I think it's Giannis. You can make a case that KD is the best player in the world when he's playing. Devin Booker is, and I hate to say it, he's the best two-guard in the game. And Aiden's having a monster season who's a dominant uh, post and paint presence. And he's got that little kind of, you know, he's got a little bit of a mid-range jumper now, which is nice to see. So yeah, I'd like to see what goes on there. Do I think the Suns can win a championship? No. I just don't think there's enough games to get everyone together and get everyone on the same page. You can't. It's been sh- it's we've seen it time and time again. You can't just put a team together with no chemistry and just try and out-talent everyone. You need chemistry. The 2020 Clippers couldn't get it done because Kawhi and Paul George were in and out of the lineup all the time. They never had chemistry, and they lost. They were humiliated in Game 7. Couldn't even get to the conference finals. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, KD, Kyrie, Harden were all in and out of the lineup due to injuries and all personal reasons or whatever. They couldn't just go out there and out-talent people. They lost in a Game 7 thriller. You know, those are just two recent examples. You can't just put teams together and hope to out-talent another team. Especially the deeper you get into the into the playoffs, when you know, the the deeper you get into the playoffs, the more the court shrinks, as they say. So yeah, I mean, good luck to the Phoenix Suns. You're not winning a championship this year, but you know, best of luck to you. Now, Russell Westbrook to the Clippers. This is funny, because the Clippers were probably a favorite to win the West, coming into the season. And before this trade, they looked, you know, the case got stronger with the way Kawhi was playing. The way Coach Lou was um, coaching. The way Paul George was playing. This team was gelling well. And now um, they add Russell Westbrook, but they ship off uh, Reggie Jackson and... Oh, someone else. I forgot. (laughs) This is just an amateur podcast. Don't expect anything. But... Yeah, so they ship off their point guards. They get Russell Westbrook back. They get Eric Gordon. Oh, and they shipped off Luke Kennard as well, which is a big piece. I think that, you know, I mean, you just traded shooters there, but, you know, you didn't trade them for each other, but you traded, you essentially traded a shooter for a shooter. 
how Russ gels with this team is going to be interesting. But now they have a leader, because Russell Westbrook is a strong personality, and a leader. I don't know how this team... I don't know what the role Russ would play, because, you know, he has shown with the Lakers he can come off the bench and he can produce. Seven assists off the bench. That's crazy, you know? He can facilitate. Uh, I forgot how many points it was, but he was in the, the high teens of points, and that was great to see. So the Clippers now look like a strong favorite to come out of the Western Conference. There is pressure on these guys now because, uh, you know, we talk about the failed super team that was Brooklyn. People want to say the Lakers are a failure since LeBron got there because uh, they only got one. They missed the postseason. They got bounced in the first round. But they got one championship. No one talks about the Clippers. You know, like what's going on? Why does nobody want to talk about the Clippers? I think now there is pressure, and if they don't get it done, we're going to find the media will hopefully look at the Clippers and say, okay, you've got Paul George, you've got Kawhi Leonard, you add Russ, how do you not get this done? And they are a super team now, you know? If you want to say the Lakers, LeBron, and AD, sorry, if, if you want to say that, um, uh, if people want to say that, why can't I think? If people want to say that LeBron, AD, and Russ were a super team, why can't they say that Russ, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard are a super team? It doesn't make sense. Super teams mean championships, not just finals appearances. It means championships. And if the Clippers get to the finals, then what does it mean for the Clippers organization? They got to their first finals appearance and they lose. It was successful because the team's never been to the finals. Um... These guys are elite players. I don't want to hold a stand. I don't. I'm not going to move the goalpost just because of the franchise. The franchise's curse. It's not fair. It's not fair to the other players that we hold accountable for not getting to the finals, or for not even. Sorry, it's not fair to the players we hold accountable for not winning a championship, regardless of what team they're on. So, I'm going to say it again. Good luck to the Clippers. Have fun with this. I want. I'm very interested. A lot of eyes are going to be on this team. I think they will be surging hot. Um, you know, Russ has shown that he is... if He can't give you maybe productivity on the court, but the one thing he can give you is availability, which is the best ability. So, yeah. Clippers, Nuggets, Conference Finals. I'm going to say the Nuggets get out of it. I'm still... that I, The Nuggets were my preseason... Uh, realistic preseason pick to come out of the West, and I'm sticking with it. I was in the Lakers. I'm always going to love the Lakers. I want the best for the Lakers, but I have to be realistic. I have to, you know. I can't. I, you know, blind faith is not going to get me anywhere. It probably just causes you more hurt down the line. Speaking of the Nuggets, they have a hold on a very wide open West, and I'm going to keep this one brief. So they need to figure out they need to they, they need to get that one seed as soon as possible because I think with the West so wide open, the Warriors are coming, the Lakers are coming, the Clippers are here, Memphis is coming, the, the West is so wide open. Get number one immediately and hold on to that advantage and use it. And whatever happens in the postseason happens. Luka and Kyrie are also targeting that uh, Nuggets in, in the West, you know. But... Luka and Kyrie need to really figure it out. They are uh they haven't won a game when they've been on the court together. And the last game they played, 
against the Timberwolves. It came down to the last possession where they needed a, I want to say a three for the win. But they needed, but they were trying to get a three off. And uh, they just kept passing the ball between each other. Now, it was amazing defense by Jade McDaniels and the other guy. But these guys are elite shot creators. They were just passing the ball between themselves and they couldn't even get a shot off. That's crazy to me. Luca and Kyrie can't get a shot off. Like, you know, it's not something you you think about. So they need they really need to figure this out as soon as possible because I Luca's my guy. I love Luka Doncic. He's my third favorite player behind LeBron James and Nikola Jokic. And I want the best for him. But I have to also acknowledge that if you can't figure this out, I mean not even Luca. This is to the Mavs organization. If they can't figure this out, Kyrie's gonna leave. There is a high. I think there is a high chance. There is like a seventy to eighty percent chance he's gonna walk anyway. So you want to maximize the talent you have. Now you gave away your defense in Dorian Finney-Smith, and you know, Spencer couldn't really defend, could he? But you know, you gave away your best defender. You gave away. So you you, you know you lose something there because Kyrie can't defend. But you upgrade in terms of a secondary ball handler. So you got to make it work. Jason Kidd has his work cut out for him. I've expressed my uh, concern for Jason Kidd's coaching methods since that um, conference, since that playoff run last year. So yeah, good luck to the Mavericks. The Lakers pulled off amazing trades. But they are still not out of the doghouse. What they need to do is get to the play-in. Because now we have elite talent. The Lakers are deep now. D'Angelo Russell is a great ball handler. Malik Beasley is a great uh, three is a very good three-point shooter. And uh, Jared Vanderbilt is an elite defender and an elite hustler. So now LeBron and AD need to win. I think they need to go everything goes well, you know, based on predictions and numbers and however they do that. But uh, the, the numbers people say that they need to go 18, no, 16 and 8 with the last, well, from at, at what point the trade was made with those last 24 games. They've won one. Now they need to go 15 and 8 to get to the play-in. I think at the 8 seed. And then that makes it easy because then you got to win one game and then get to the seventh spot where you match up with the Grizzlies. You know, if the West stays as it is. I don't think anybody wants to see the uh, healthy Lakers in the playoffs because with AD healthy, he is a matchup nightmare. And LeBron James, the playoffs lend themselves to a player like LeBron James. He's old and he's not as explosive and athletic. He's still amazing for his age. And it's still crazy, you know, he's still crazy athletic in the league. But he's not the the monster he once was. You know, teams, I think they fear his mind more than they fear his body, which I think is scarier. But the players will lend themselves to him because the game slows down. He can think more. He can find pockets of rest like he did in, not to the extent of the 2018 season where he was the greatest individual player in the history of the world. But, yeah, so the Lakers need to, they need, this is going to be, and LeBron James said it, it's going to be the toughest 23 games he's ever played. 
the most important 23 games he's ever played. If they miss the playoffs, it's not a stain on his legacy, on his career, as uh, some idiots in the media would say. But um, LeBron James is great. We don't want to see great players not succeed. You know, in my opinion, LeBron James is the greatest player of all time. I don't want to see him have to get bashed in the media just for not making the playoffs. I don't want to see him go down and in his career like this, like Kobe did. You know, he didn't make the playoffs the last three years or four years of his career. I know, I don't know who talks about it, but at the time, it would have been hard for people to see. Michael Jordan, people who love Michael Jordan, he was in the Wizards. They didn't do anything. It might have been hard to see, but obviously the media wasn't what it was. And the discourse wasn't as... Uh, free and open as it is now with social media but ad needs to get himself in shape he needs to stay healthy and i'm not saying he has to play all 23 games miss i'm not and i'm not saying he should just look at a few and just be like yeah i'm gonna miss look at um don't load manage you know just be as healthy as you can be as available as you can and be the best you can that's all we ask for at least if if we see competitive basketball where it comes and it comes down to losses, I think it would hurt. But me as a fan, I would still look at it and be like, you know what? They played hard. It just didn't work. If it comes down to we missed AD because he was injured, we missed LeBron because he was injured, that would hurt a lot because you know you could have had something if one guy just didn't do anything. If one guy, sorry, did do something and you know was available. But also Darvin Ham has a lot of pressure because his coaching... His decision-making, especially um, towards end of games, is questionable. He doesn't like to foul. You know, he prefers to lay, uh, rely on his defense and lay it on them. But you you need to foul, dude. Uh, you know, there's certain times you need to foul. You need to call timeouts, you know. For some reason, and I'm not saying he's a terrible player, but Dennis Schroeder needs to be coming off the bench. And he's going to come off the bench now, thankfully. But before then, you know, it wasn't working. He became what Avery Bradley became to Frank Vogel last year, where Avery was not the player he was, and he was not good, but Frank Vogel opted to play him because Avery Bradley was very good in 2020, and Dennis Schroeder was good on the Hawks when him and Darvin Ham were, um, you know, when they were there. So, good luck to me, good luck to all Laker fans, good luck to the Lakers. This stretch of games is going to be very fun for the whole of the NBA, it's going to be one of the best postseasons because of how wide open the West is and how top-heavy the East is. You know, it's going to become a... Do- and you still have the wild cards in the East, you know, the Miami Heat, the Knicks. I'm I'm high on the Knicks this year, man. I think Jalen Brunson got robbed of an all-star vote. I think Julius Randle is playing some of the best ball of his career. Tibbs is playing well. Josh Hart, you know, I like the inclusion of him. He's he's playing well. And, you know, Manuel Quickly, I love, I love those guys. You know, I love those guys a lot. And Miami Heat, you can never count on a Miami Heat team. Now they add the addition of Kevin Love, who's a knockdown three-point shooter. The only problem is Miami's defensive-oriented. Kevin Love can't defend. You know, he doesn't doesn't have that quickness. He, he can't do it anymore. But yeah, it's going to be a very fun season, uh, rest of the season. It's going to be a very fun end to the season. So yeah, let's. I guess we all just sit back. We sweat watching our teams, and whoever comes out of it comes out of it. So... Thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, please like it, share, subscribe. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Niesmeister. Again, I'll leave a link into the uh, in the description below, and uh, I'll see you guys next time. Yeah.
Yeah.